Obviously, no doubt, there is some things on people's mind. And one of those is COVID-19. And for, for some of us in the room and some of us watching, when you think of COVID-19, you kind of take this deal and this is what it seems like to you. Oh, come on. It's this little thing. I mean, we're just, and for others of you, it's like, ah! It's larger than life. It's crazy. What is going to happen? Ah! And I want you to know that I'm going to validate you on either side of this. I mentioned in a video a few days ago that there are these principles. Haste makes waste, and he who hesitates is lost. Those aren't biblical principles. Those are just principles. And haste makes waste. When you knee-jerk react to life, you can find yourself saying, whoops, I overstepped. Or, or if you hesitate, then you say, ooh, I wish I would have taken the opportunity and, and leaned in to that. And the way that the Holy Spirit works, he gives us wisdom to know what to do in the middle of when we don't know what to do. When people are unchangeable, when circumstances are uncontrollable, how does God want us to respond in the middle of this? And I want to tell you that COVID, although the craze is the, the uh, uh, contagiousness of this disease, and we're trying to guard and safeguard and put protections and parameters and, 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 and flatten this, this, this uh, exposure thing out, let me tell you the most contagious thing out there right now is obviously fear. Fear is the most contagious thing ever since the Garden of Eden. They were naked and afraid. Fear has a way of, of capitalizing on our life. Now, when I say fear, again, again, some of you think of fear and you're like, ah, no fear. You were the guy that when I was growing up in high school, you had the dually truck with the big old no fear eyes on the back of the truck with the shotgun in the back. Bless God. No fear. Watch this. I'm going to jump this four-wheeler over the lake. Like, like Lake Rayburn. I, I just watch me, you know. And, 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 and so you, you got no fear. I don't know if this is going to help you or not. I don't know if anything's going to help you. But then some of you, you it's like fear. And it's and, and, and almost to the point where it's crippling. O almost to the point where it's so suffocating, it's hard for you to even get out and do certain things. Not just in this environment, but in any environment. And I want you to know that I'm not for sure if you're just kind of flippant with fear or if you have been overcome with fear. I'm not for sure how much help, but what I hope to do today is as we lay out scripture and what Jesus says about fear, that we can, we can get some tools, some biblical tools on how to respond when the most contagious thing out there is fear and worry and anxiety. And, and, and we're all susceptible to it. So if you're taking notes in our locations as far as today on Sunday, Wednesday night, we're going to try and provide them for you there at Duncan and Dieball. But here, we didn't hand out worship guides. We're in the pins, in the seats, those are Mary Corona. Those are your gifts. If you use them, if you use them, take them with you. They are a gift of the church. Don't leave them. We're not going to clean them. Just take them with you, okay? So if you're going to take notes, you can write down some thoughts. Let's first of all start by defining fear. Fear is an emotion. Emotions are not right. Emotions are not wrong. How you respond with your emotions is, is what can create emotion into sin. So Jesus even says, in your anger, do not sin. You can be angry. You can be good and angry and not sin. But when you lean into anger and it becomes hazardous, it can become sinful in your life. So fear is an emotion. And, and listen to me on this. Any emotion that's out of control will not produce God-honoring fruit in your life. Any emotion, when it's out of control, 
will not produce God-honoring fruit in your life. It's even in zeal for God. Listen, listen to me. This is where it gets crazy. People can be so zealous after God that sometimes that emotion can go haywire and they can get out of control in their zeal and they overboard some stuff. So they're like, I'm, so, I'm not going to worry about what the news says. They're licking doorknobs at Walmart. <laughs> don't do that. Don't, do, don't lick your own doorknobs for crying out loud, but definitely not Walmart. Like it can be, an, it's an emotion and it can go haywire, okay? It's okay to have fear. Fear can say, ooh, I'm not going to, there's a man in a mask holding, <laughs> holding a knife at my front door. I'm, I'm not going to open the door. Like DoorDash, no, that's not DoorDash, Okay. Like, like you, it's okay to have fear. It's just when it's an emotion that then it's caused by the belief and it becomes something you believe. You know, my son, when he was younger, could believe that there was somebody in the closet. And as a loving father, I wouldn't just go into the room, Dad, there's somebody in the closet. Ah, uh, if he was in there, he would have killed you by now. I'm not going to do that as a loving father, right? I'm going to validate, even though the fear is based on a belief that isn't true, I'm going to say to him, if I'm a loving father, you know what, I, I can get afraid too. I know what it's like to be afraid. And I want you to know it's gonna be okay. I got you, I got you. And Jesus isn't mad at you today if you've overreacted in fear here or before. He's not upset. He says, hey, um, I understand fear. Um, I, I, I was able to take on some crazy circumstances um, so that you would know you're never alone and you're not by yourself when it comes to being Afraid of things, I, I conquered fear, okay? An emotion caused by the belief of looming potential loss. Loss of loved ones, loss of acceptance, loss of you name it. And that's what we're going to unpack today when we have this looming potential loss. Loss of uh, freedom. Freedom to be able to get out and about without worry and anxiety ruling the, ruling the day. So write this down. There's some good things about fear and there's some bad things about fear. The good thing about fear, guess what? It's like a fence. It will keep you from going overboard and hurting yourself. It's a good boundary that you have a certain amount of fear in certain circumstances. When the traffic is coming 60 miles an hour and you're coming out to get your mail, there's a healthy fence that's built with your fear of not just kind of walking out in front of traffic. It's like a fence. Uh, a couple of years ago, Janet and I were on a little trip to California, and we drove down the 17-mile drive there on the coastline, beautiful coastline in America, some of the most beautiful uh, scenery you'll ever see. And there in the background is Bix uh, Bixby Bridge, and we took a selfie um, right on the, the edge of that. There's no fence around the, the, uh, the terrain. And so Janet and I took a selfie there, and, and uh, I mean, there were literally crosses down the ravine where people had... You know, and you'll notice if you look closer in the picture, even though there's no fence, I'm hanging off for dear life, baby. It's either that or I'm getting ready to push her. I don't know. It depends on how we wake up some days. No, I'm kidding. Good thing about fear, it's like a fence. And it, it, you want to guard. You want to be careful. The bad thing about fear, it's like a fence. And, and you can bubble wrap your life. You can bubble wrap your decision. You can bubble wrap your emotion. You can bubble wrap your kids. And fear can rule you. It can own you. And so a couple questions I'm inviting you to ask yourself in some spiritual inventory today. What has fear kept me from doing? Confronting an issue? Letting go of that bitterness? Forgiving? What has fear kept you from doing? 
Um, stepping out and trying that, even though you're single and you thought, man, I should have been married by now and I'm just gonna wait for the right person to come along. And, and so it's stifled you from stepping out in faith. What's it kept you from doing? Not only you forgiving someone, but asking forgiveness from someone. Don't let it be offense to you for your, for your spiritual growth in the future. Another question, what has fear caused me to do? So not as what has it kept you from doing, but then also what has fear caused you? How have you let fear be like a doctor and hit your knee like a mallet and you're like, like you just knee-jerk react to, to fear. What has it caused you to do? What kind of, what kind of fences have you built? <laughs> what kind of fences have you built? It's caused you. I'm going to be Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I went to Walmart for something just a couple of days ago. And as I went toward the back to get milk, there's a line forming. And people are like, hey, we all want some. The line is forming. They're all getting toilet paper. And I'm like, I'm like, well, I guess I, and I, I, I walked out with toilet paper. I wasn't even planning on it. And I walked out with, and can I just say something to you? If you're going to get quarantined for 14 days, right, and you need 144 rolls of toilet paper, there are other issues you need to be worried about. Go to Urgent Doc now. Okay? But here, listen, at Timber Creek, we have always wanted to lead with irrational generosity. We have a core value. We won't keep this to ourselves. We want to be a generous church. We don't want to keep it to our, we want more for you than we want from you. And so in the spirit of generosity today, hit it, Brad. In the spirit, hit it, Edgar, hit it, Dan. Don't you ever say church is just wanting something from me. We want something for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on, we, you know what? The joy of the Lord's our strength, everybody. Amen. But hey, I want to tell you youngins in the house or, or, or watching online, some of you know, millennials and Gen Yers, we, we used to not, like this used to not be an issue. We used to be so rich. And I know in this culture, it's like, oh man, we think the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. We used to be so rich, we would spend money like this. It's crazy. It's crazy. And now, and now, I don't know whose grandma this is, but whoever's grandma this is, you're going to have a great Christmas. You're going to have a great, she's the queen of the South. <laughs> no pun intended. Anyway, back to the sermon. <laughs> what has fear caused me to do? What is it, what is, how has it been a fence in my life? How has it kept me and caused me? And so write it down. Understanding fear is the first step to overcoming fear. Understanding it, uh, the knowledge, knowing the old cartoon, knowing is half the battle. And, and when we know fear and we understand fear, we can see the underbelly of it. We can then know how to respond as Christ followers. Um, and so let me give you some logical, just kind of practical human side understanding of fear before we move into the divine, the spiritual side of how Jesus wants us to respond, especially in days like 
Albert Albright, he, or pardon me, Carl Albright, um, built a taxonomy called the fear hierarchy. And this, this is what it looks like. And it's a, it's a, it's a fear-archy or fear-hierarchy. And it starts with the foundation and it grows up. Modern-day psychologists that begin to just define the levels of fear that you and I face. And for some, it looks a little different. For others, it may look some for you. Some, some, you are on one of this. You're in all of these or some of them. And hear how they are defined. They have the idea of extinction can be fearful. It can cause fear. Autonomy. Separation and even ego. Now we're going to unpack those and we're going to look at both sides here. So on on this side and on this side, we're going to look at the humanity side of how, in fact, how our nation is responding right now and how the globe is responding. But you and I are meant to know more than just what the media wants to tell you. We, We have a trust beyond horses and chariots and news cycles. And how do we tap into the other side of the realities of fear? But, but to start, let, let's look on this side, okay? And we're going to put, just if you're going to make notes, you can put fear. This is the fear side. And when it comes to extinction, we, we wouldn't walk around saying, I'm afraid of extinction. But many people can be afraid of death. Um, it's, it's the number one thing people are afraid of. It used to be public speaking. Now it is death. It was public speaking and death, top two things. So you would rather be dead than speak at your own funeral. Like that's how, that's how crazy death is. But it's not just like just afraid of dying. It shows itself in different ways. So like being afraid of snakes is not just about being afraid of, of this creature. It's I don't want to get bit because I don't want to die. Uh, and so that's, that's scary. Because you can have a dog with massive teeth like licking you like, oh, I love you. And you can have an, a large animal that you're not afraid of but the snake because you're afraid of what it might do to you. Also heights. You can be afraid of heights or even flying and, and, and like that, it's not so much being afraid of the plane as much as if the plane becomes a boat. Like, so you are, there can be fear. The next level in autonomy is all about feeling not in control. Where if I'm not in control, I, I get afraid. I need to know what's happening. I need to know what the plan is. I can tell you that this is where a lot of my fear can, can happen. Uh, I, I, I have issues on all this. This pyramid is like all up in my grill. I'm going to tell you right now. But, but here's how it would show itself. It would be in money. Uh-oh, what if this economy does this and what happens? And I get, get afraid and, and people start, start pulling their retirement out. Uh-oh, and they knee-jerk re- react to certain things. Or people begin to hoard. Or people won't, they, they're not going to drive because they want to be in control. Like, no, you can't drive me. I'm going to drive myself. I never let anybody drive me around as though you're in charge of the other 427 cars that you're going to pass while you're driving. Politics, the autonomy of my political leader needs to be in charge because if my political party that I associate with isn't in charge, then this thing is going to get out of control. On both sides of this equation, we can be led in the political spectrum by fear. Crisis, when things go haywire, people get fearful and they are driven like, like a gold ring in our nose. We are guided by fear because we feel like we're losing control. I'll be honest with you. That's how I felt as a church and as a pastor. Seeing all around me, um, we, we had not gotten the word that our local Lufkin ISD had. Can't, we were waiting on them uh, to see what, the, the, what we were going to do. We decided to have service in the building 
not because we're going to uh, buck against the system. Not because, well, the church isn't going to be told, but we're a non-profit. We, we, we're like, no, we're, we're going to figure out how to honor um, uh, and respect and give to Caesar what is Caesar. We're going to figure out how to be the church. But as I said earlier, the church is way beyond this brick and mortar, everybody. And so we don't know what the future is going to look like. We don't know what the next couple of weeks is going to look like. But let me tell you what we're not going to do. We're not going to knee-jerk, haste, make waste, be fearful, and just make crazy decisions. Okay, we're going, to lead, we're going to be discerning, we're going to pray, we're going to trust God, and we're going to get together one way or another. The church is going to be the church. Okay, amen, everybody? As we keep moving on this, on this hierarchy of fear, we get to separation, and it's this feeling of loneliness. And what can happen is if someone is single, that fear of being single too long to where you miss the window of your, of your opportunity, and so you say... Well, I know they're not exactly what I was praying for, but oh well, it can happen. It can happen. Or divorce, and you're like, well, man, how is my life going to be built back up from this? And um, the loss of a loved one, the separation, and I can't, what will I ever do without you? And, and the grief that comes with that, and it's natural, and it's normal, and it's okay to have fear. It's just not okay for fear to have you. And then we have the, the ego. Now, that sounds interesting, ego. Um, this kind of pride thing. Let me tell you something. Humility is the hallmark of a Christ follower. When I get, I've, I've, I've gotten in more circles around other pastors of larger churches, and I'll be honest with you, it's, it's great in some areas, and it's been really concerning in others. Because sometimes well-meaning people, even pastors, can get real prideful and arrogant. And I, I know I've, I, I'm not going to cast any stones because I've been, I've been there too. But I, I want to be led by the humility of Jesus. I don't want to let pride come before a fall. And this ego is really about insignificance. Like, I better be somebody and somebody better notice me. And here's, here's where it can rear its ugly head. Failure. If you fail, you get afraid of, of what that might mean about you. Looking stupid in front of people, I hate to be misunderstood. I hate to be misquoted. I, I hate it when, well, that's what you meant when you said this, and it wasn't what I meant. Okay, Janet, okay? It's not what I meant. Well, then why are you getting so defensive? I'm not defensive, okay, Pastor Jeremy? Oh, God bless you. I'm going to lay hands and pray on you right now. Let, let, let me show you another one. From the chalkboard to the scoreboard to the backboard, Many times we get after our kids to do their best on the court, but can I be honest with you? Sometimes you don't even realize it, but what can be driving that is if my kids don't do well, what does that say about me? If my kids don't excel at school, what does that say about my parenting? And it can come back to you and being afraid of failure, being afraid of, man, what... If I, if I have to, to give special attention to my child in a, in, in, a, in a different way than maybe other people, am I not being a good enough? Like, it, it's, all, it's all there. And here's the deal. This one down here, extinction is all about death. But ego, it, it's, not about, it's not about dying. It's not about dying. It's actually about not living. And so we, 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 we want to live our best life. We, we, we get FOMO, fear of missing out. We got YOLO, you only live once. YOLO, and we can be driven. So look at this list, death, not in control, alone, insignificance. That fear can take hold and become something that drives you. So let's look at now the other side. What's the antidote to that? 
Does Jesus give us an antidote where we break open the vial and, we, and, and we're, we're, we're immunized? We, we are protected from this virus that is more contagious than anything you'll ever see. What's the antidote? Well, some would say you got to have courage to face, you know, to dream the impossible dream. To fight the unbeatable foe. I've got to get after there and have courage. In fact, courage, the Bible says in Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. I'm going to be with you wherever you go and in whatever you do. And so we could say that courage is because it's the character trait that actually is the catalyst towards all other character traits. It, it, it stimulates, it's like, it's like a nitrous oxide to our, to our engines when we're courageous. But that's not the antidote. Could it be confidence? Stand strong. Be confident. Know who you are and whose you are. Yes, that even sounds spiritual. And it's good. And it can be part of the process, but it's not the antidote. Could it be truth? Because we all know that if you've grown up in church a little bit, and if you haven't, it's okay. But if you've grown up in church and you know, uh, you will know the truth and the truth will set you. Oh, see, look how strong that is. Someone said, the truth will set you. I blaze. <laughs> like, you know, I'm glad to reach all kinds of people. Truth. But you know what? It's not even truth because you can know the truth and you can still live bound up. There are people today, you know the truth, but you are living bound. Jesus wants to set you free today. In fact, I believe no matter whether you're online in your living room right here at one of our locations, Jesus will set you free. That's the truth of his, of his mighty power. Invite him to do that today and start walking in that truth. But even truth isn't. Well, what if it's this? And I love this because it starts with an F, like fear starts with an F, and this one starts with an F. Faith! Because then it's easier to preach. Faith over fear, baby, because fear is a liar. We're going to have faith over fear, and you got to have faith. <laughs> but it's, it's actually not even faith. It, it's, not even, it's not even faith. It goes beyond that, and here it's anticlimactic, but it's so amazing. It doesn't sound very, like, is that it, really? But it's so strong, and if you don't get this, you won't know, you won't have the courage. You won't have the confidence. You won't know the truth, and you won't live by faith if you don't understand this. So the other side, you've got fear on one side. The antidote to this. Is love. It's love. What? Love? Yeah. Love. That's it. Here's what, here's what John said. In fact, John was a follower of Jesus. And he, he wrote several different books in the New Testament. Um, very creative in their names. The first one he wrote, it was named John. And then three of his other books, they, they got real creative. And they get first John, second John, and then yes, you guessed it. Revelation, <laughs> gotcha, because he wrote that one too. Yeah, the other one was 3 John, okay. So John is known as the disciple who Jesus loves. So if anybody understood the love of Jesus, it was John. And John says in 1 John, the letter that he writes, there is no fear in love. Everybody, every location online, say it out with me. There is no fear in love. Now listen, I don't wake up in the morning afraid that my wife is going to leave me. We, we have love 
that, that is stronger than our fear. There is no fear in love. I, I'm not, I'm not wake, I have to sleep with one eye open. That'd be hard because I'm blind in one eye anyway. I don't have to wait, like, what am I going to get? Now, I will tell you, even though I'm not afraid she's going to leave me, I think that she can go to bed and be afraid of which Jeremy she might get the next day. Maybe that's been your experience, too, a time or 12. Like, where, where you wake up, like, are they going to be happy, Jeremy, or are they going to be grumpy, Jeremy? Are they going to be go with the flow, J-Y, or agitated, Jeremiah, Okay. Now, there's no fear in love. We love each other. We got each other's back. We trust each other. But we don't have perfect love. Your marriage doesn't understand perfect love. But here's what happens in perfect love. Because there still can be some fear. I'm afraid of how you're going to respond if I tell you this, right? But, but, but perfect love drives out all fear. All, all fear. How much fear? All fear. And John is saying to us, that, that there is no fear in love, but perfect love, because you don't, but if you can lean in in these seasons and in all seasons of the goodness and grace and love of Jesus, that he loves you, that he loves you. There's no fear, but perfect love drives out. Listen, we, we quoted at the beginning of service Psalm 23, and let's be reminded that after the valley, it's not before the valley, it's not in the valley, it's after the valley, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He doesn't wipe out all my enemies. He doesn't guarantee a table without adversaries, without issues, without viruses. He doesn't guarantee a table that's going to be all daisies and buttercups and cheesecake from Cheesecake Factory, but here's what he does do. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemy and he serves you in a way to where I can sit around all kinds of craziness in this news cycle. All kinds of sickness that is going to probably hit Lufkin and hit it soon. But I can sit here and know my host and the owner of this home is Jesus Christ and his love casts out, drives out destroys that fear, and I am going to stand in the, I'm going to sit and eat my peanut butter and jelly in front of the presence of my enemies, knowing that he's in control. Whom shall I fear? So, understanding fear is important. Let's understand the underbelly of it. But understanding God's love, everybody, is more important. And his love never Ever fails. Another author of the lot of the New Testament is Paul. And Paul did not grow up and come to know Christ in a beautiful, it was a transformative thing because he spent some formative years hating Christians, persecuting Christians. He, he held the coats ringside as Pharisees and Sadducees and other leaders warmed up and literally killed with rocks the first martyr, Stephen, and Saul held their coats and watched. He has this radical transformation on the road to Damascus. Uh, can I tell you something? God stopped Saul from going to Damascus and persecuting new Christians. And sometimes God will stop some things you don't even know he stopped. 
Those Christians don't, didn't even know he, that God stopped them on the demand. You sometimes, you need to figure out how to praise God for not just the things you saw that he stopped, but how God stopped some things you never even knew were coming. You never even knew it was there. You don't even know that five years ago he pushed pause at a stop sign. You don't know that seven years ago it could have gone another way. But just the name of the Lord is a strong tower and you've been running to him and you're safe. You don't even know all the enemies he's kept you from. And so when it comes to this crazy enemy, this crazy virus, this crazy stuff that is taking all, all of our focus, he's got this, everybody. He's got this. Understanding God's love is more important. And Paul, he was shipwrecked three different times. On one shipwreck, he was afloat at sea for 24 hours. Then they came up onto the, onto the, the shore. They started gathering wood for a fire. And out comes a viper. And by the way, can the guy get a break? He's got a snake hanging on him. Like, you've had a bad day at work. He's had a bad day at, at work, too. He, he understands what it's like to be um, dragged out of a city and tried to be killed in front of everyone. And Paul, knowing these things, knowing that it's not always easy, he writes to the church at Rome that have been facing persecution, that have been facing crucifixions, that have been facing death by rocks. Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And look how he personifies it. Because he doesn't start saying, who will separate us from the love? Pilate, Caesar, Bobby, Corona. Who's going to separate us from the love of Christ? He's not, it's not personalized. But look at what he says. Who shall separate us? Trouble or hardship? It's got nothing on Jesus. Persecution or famine? Famine meaning stuff we need that we don't have access to anymore nakedness or danger, being vulnerable and exposed and nothing you can do about it? Sound familiar? Yes, it sounds familiar, not because of COVID-19, but because at the beginning of creation, humanity had a choice to trust in the name of God and eat all the fruit that was available except this one tree. But instead, they thought they were going to miss out and they wanted to be as wise as God, and Adam and Eve both ate that apple. And what happened? They were vulnerable and naked and in danger, and they were afraid. And because of that fear, they hid from God. And in these moments where things are, when, when stuff is, is fearful and scary, we tend to make fig leaves for ourselves. We tend to take everything into our own hands and try and control we get afraid and we hide, and God is not mad at you, but he is saying, where'd you go? Where'd you go? My love hasn't changed. My strength hasn't gotten weaker. In fact, in your weakness, you will see my strength better than ever. That's how his strength works. So, trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or, yeah, sword, death. Paul says, because it's written, yeah. For your sake, we face death all day long. It's been written like God followers, they face death all day long, but they didn't have an assurance. They had, this, they had this fear. We face death all day long. We're considered a sheep to be slaughtered. And I want to tell you, your atmosphere of trusting God is critical in times where people don't know where to turn. You don't have to be blinders on and go, la, 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 now nah, the news that I just fake, blah, blah, blah. Like, like be diligent and be wise as a serpent. But be quick to listen and be slow to speak too. And don't be hasty. 
But don't waste your opportunity and let the Spirit of God guide you. But don't you dare walk like a sheep to be slaughtered in times like this. In fact, Paul says, don't you walk like a sheep, like a sheep ready to be slaughtered and sheared by this situation that's upon us. No, he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. We are more than what? We are more than what? That's right. Now, don't you dare put a period on this scripture right there because you would miss where you get the conquering from. You are not a more than a conqueror because, bless God, I'm going to pick myself up by the book. I I got a really good immune system because I've been drinking that green juice that I bought off a TBN. No, 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 no. You are not more than a conqueror on your own. It's through him who what us? Loved us. Through him who loves us, you have the strength to face tomorrow. So let's look at this as we wrap up today. If one side is fear, I'm inviting you to spiritually, emotionally, and mentally take a step in your life and live on the right side of this situation. Take take a moment and say, as for me and my house, we're going to walk on the right side of this situation. And we're not going to be careless We're not going to put our fingers in our ears and we're not going to be conspiracy theorists, but we are going to lean into the love of God. And here's what, here's what Jesus says on his side of the equation. When we see fear on one side, here's what love says. When it comes to ego, and you're like, oh man, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to measure up. There's high expectations for me from my spouse or from my boss or from my kids. And ah, I don't want to be a failure. I don't want to miss out. I just want you to know that Jesus says to you, no matter what you do, you matter to me. You matter to me. The same way the father, as Jesus was baptized before he healed a single person, before he broke bread with the disciples, before he hung on the cross, before he prayed a prayer, Jesus walks out into a dirty Jordan River and John baptizes Jesus. And the first thing we hear that God says, this is my boy who I love and I'm pleased with him. And I want you to know before you ever darken the door of a church for the first time or the first time in a long time, before you even pray to prayer, before you ever serve someone in need, before you ever memorize the scripture, because the devil knows scripture too. In fact, Jesus walks out of that water and into a time where the devil quotes scripture to Jesus. Jesus is strong with him quoting scripture back. But before all that, God simply says about his son, You're valuable. And I love you just because you're mine. And guess what? You are a son and daughter of God, everyone. And so do you know what Jesus says to you? Do you know what God says to you? Because of Jesus giving us access, because of Jesus adopting us into the family of God by his sacrifice, do you know what God says? This is my son whom I love in whom I am well pleased. Stop trying to earn it from that dad who just won't give it. You matter to God. When you struggle with separation and you're wondering, oh, 
I've already had this breakup. I've already had this loss. This already ended. I can't, I don't want to live alone anymore, God. I'll just, I don't care. I just don't want to be in a bed by myself anymore. Jesus says, I'll never leave you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. No matter what, no matter what you face, I'm with you. There is no level of social distancing. There is no level of quarantine that can keep me from being with you. When it comes to autonomy and us being in control, I just want to say to you, just as your pastor and as your friend and as your tour guide, you're not in control and you never were. And this is hard for someone who, I don't know, some of the staff say I can be controlling. If you've ever done the Enneagram, I am a heartache. I'm, I'm a heartache, command and control. And it is a, it's a beautiful gift and it can be a dark shadow. What Jesus is reminding us, he's in control. But here's what he wants you to say. Not, he doesn't just want to say to you with arms crossed, I'm in control. You're not in control. Here's what he invites us to. Trust me. Would you just trust me? Trust me. Lean not on your own control. And when it comes to death, what might happen if, oh my goodness, who might be exposed? What might happen next? Jesus goes, I know what it's like to face death. And I just, I got good news for you. I defeated it. I conquered it. And even someday, because it is, can I tell you in this world, it is a 100% success rate when it comes to death. Every one of us, 100% of us, we're going to die someday. Unless Jesus comes back, you and I are going to die. There is no other way. But I want to tell you, if you put your trust in God, if you understand what Jesus did and what he conquered and what he defeated and how he not only rose from the dead but gave you the power and he says, if the same spirit that rose me from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. And he may not have some crazy force field around you that guarantees that every Christian ain't going to get some COVID-19. There's no guarantee of that. But no matter what you face, no matter what you go through, he conquered death. And the very worst thing that can ever happen to someone who puts their trust in him is that for eternity, for eternity, for eternity, you get to spend in heaven, in a new heaven, in a new earth with Jesus. And he's what makes heaven, heaven. So what then shall we say in response to these things, these reports, these sicknesses, these viruses, these reports on Facebook, these national disasters, these crazy, scary, freaky, full of fear times, if God is for us, who can be against us? So friends, if God is really for me, there is no fear that can rule me. Every one of us are searching for a king. And that king reigns. And so every day, whether you're sick or not, every day, whether you're quarantined or not, every day, whether church is happening in a building or online, he tells us, here's how you approach me. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come because you're king and you rule. Your will be done because you're the king on earth as you see it in heaven. Give us today what we need to survive. 
Lead us not into temptation. All kinds of temptation. Deliver us from that. <laughs> because yours is the kingdom. And yours is the power. And yours is the glory. Kingdoms of earth rise and fall. But Jesus reigns forever. All locations online here in Lufkin, would you just bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. It's time to do business with God. Whew. There is not a, can I tell you, as you're listening, there's not a single person in your life who knows everything you've said, everything you've done, everything you've regretted. Mm. But Jesus knows every thought you've ever thought. He sees every sin you've ever committed. He knows where you have fallen short. And still, he invites you into a loving relationship with him. Wow. There is no greater love than that. And if you're listening and you need to do business with God, it's time to step on the other side of fear and put your trust in him. Because some trust in horses, and tr some trust in chariots. But today, Jesus, I'm putting my trust in you. Maybe that's what you'd say, Jesus, I put my trust in you. I put my trust in your love. You love me. You have a good plan for me. You've not abandoned us. You've not forsaken us. This isn't from you. This is the result of a fallen world, a world that's temporary anyway. You're eternal, and I replace or I strengthen my trust in you today. Be my Savior. Be the center of my life. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. And maybe you've been struggling with, man, how do, I, how do I navigate this? And you just want strength to lead yourself and lead your family with the strength of the Lord and the wisdom of the Spirit. If that's you, just put a hand up. I'm going to pray over you, all locations. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, we would walk palms up with you. No matter what tomorrow's new cycle brings, no matter what happens that we cannot control, no matter what people do that are unchangeable, circumstances that are uncontrollable, situations that, that seem unshakable, I will stand on the side of love. And you're going to drive out that fear, and I'm going to lean on the shoulder of Almighty God. And we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. In every location, said a good amen. Now, come on, people. Let's celebrate what God's doing in the house. Let's put our hands together for those that are making a decision, for those that are saying no to fear, for those that are trusting God in the midst of adversity.